Social Ventures Australia brings you this podcast from the SVA Quarterly, the leading management publication for the social sector in Australia. This podcast is based on part two of the article Sector Trends, Stories from the Frontline. In this part, leaders reflect on how their organisations are responding to trends in evidence-based practice, innovation capabilities, place-based service design and collaboration. There are seismic shifts in the sector impacting on organisations ranging from small social enterprises to large service delivery organisations and philanthropic foundations. In part one, we explored four of the top trends that leaders from a range of organisations around Australia had identified. In part two, we hear about how they are responding to the following trends and the opportunities created in their ongoing effort to increase impact. Evidence-based practice, innovation capabilities, place-based service design and collaboration. June Oscar, AO, CEO of Marnin Wantikura, Fitzroy Crossing Women's Resource Centre and recently appointed Social Justice Commissioner for Australia, highlights that What is fundamental when you see any trend is that you stay true to the needs of the people you work with. We have to use trends to our advantage to enhance our work, but never let them detract from what the community needs. For instance, when it comes to community safety, we work with women across the community to tell us what empowers them in life, to make environments in our society conducive to safety for them, their children and families. It is very important that we listen to lived experience, so we implement what works, not what we think works. Then we all work to achieving the outcomes we hold in common. Following on from the four trends explored in part one, the fifth trend is evidence-based practice. When it comes to evidence-based practice, June Oscar says, At this point in time, it is incredibly important to be able to justify what we do with relevant and relatable evidence. But evidence can occur in many forms. Based on our local knowledge and lived experiences, we adapt evidence that has informed best practice holistic models of community development. Dallas Leon, CEO Gigi Healing, an Aboriginal community-controlled health service based in Mount Isa, which provides a range of primary healthcare services to the local region, reflects. Collecting and using the data that we generate through client interactions and in programme delivery is a major focus for us. At a minimum, the ability to demonstrate that we are achieving the outcomes set by government is critical, given the trend across the board for funding bodies in our area to tender competitively. However, we're also continually thinking about how we can use data to improve what we do and support the communities we serve. For example, we're providing families and schools with information on a child's developmental status, as well as tailored home and classroom strategies to enable a whole-of-community approach to helping all children grow up healthy and strong. We're also providing local health councils with reports on the services provided and health issues impacting their community to empower them to make more informed decisions in their health planning. Our data also helps generate an evidence base to inform future funding and policy development. Lynn Millett, 
from Mercy Care notes the importance of translating evidence into practice. There is a growing need to strike a balance between high-level academic thinking and research and pragmatic application to service delivery. Mercy Care has invested in teams that understand evidence and how it relates to practice, can analyse service design and conduct evaluations. We have investigated promising international practice in the context of new and existing services, as well as sponsoring some cutting-edge practice discussions in WA. For example, Mercy Care is showcasing the Alternatives to Suicide Programme, which is an innovative peer-led suicide prevention programme from the Western Massachusetts Recovery Learning Centre in Boston, USA. The February showcase outlines how this approach evolved and why it has been so successful. We have also invested with SVA in the development of an evidence-based organisational theory of change model and how this influences our thinking about new growth opportunities to ensure they fit mission and purpose. This links with an outcomes framework and person-centred programme logic plans. Giving a funder's perspective is Sarah Davis, CEO of Philanthropy Australia, which works to represent grow and inspire an effective and robust philanthropic sector for the community. There's no doubt that funders and investors are looking for proof that organisations are translating evidence into practice. Some require this to be demonstrated before agreeing to fund. Non-profit organisations are well on the way to building their capability and practice in this space. However, we are still slow to adopt someone else's evidence-based practice. Trend number six, innovation capabilities in organisations to drive change, learn and revise. The reforms in government policy and funding and ensuing market deregulation and increased competition is a big driver of innovation in the sector. As providers rethink the way they do things, innovation is being introduced as a strategy to respond to sector changes. Organisations are aware that to remain relevant to customers, as competition increases and new market entrants arrive, an innovation strategy can help. And for some, it is creating opportunities. Liz Forsyth, Executive Director at Northcott Innovation, an organisation which creates unexpected solutions for people with disability, says that Northcott is seeing the National Disability Insurance Scheme as an opportunity to develop new products and services that customers need away from the constraints of government contracts. A number of organisations in the disability sector have adopted innovation strategies. The article Kickstarting an Innovation Strategy highlights four of them and details some of the structures being employed to implement innovation strategies. Luke Terry, Toowoomba Clubhouse CEO, says, Learning and innovation isn't just a good idea to attract funding. Even though often the first question a supporter asks us is how are you different from the other models currently on offer and how will you know your program is or isn't getting the desired outcome. Many people we work with have been through many programs. We owe it to them to put in place best practice and implement the learnings of our practice. Sarah Davis from Philanthropy Australia it is universally recognised that innovation capabilities are a must-have to be both effective and future-ready. However, there's still a lag in the resourcing and funding for this work. Trend number seven, place-based service design. 
There is an increasing recognition that to help communities tackle the complex social problems of entrenched poverty and disadvantage, services need to be designed for that place and those people. Emma King, CEO of Vicos, is seeing a strong desire for place-based pr- approaches and for overcoming the barriers to place-based work. The Vicos report, Communities Taking Power, Using Place-Based Approaches to Deliver Local Solutions to Poverty and Disadvantage, outlines why a place-based approach is needed, a framework of 13 elements for place-based approaches to help communities deliver local solutions, and how the community, the community sector, and government can help make place-based approaches work. VCOS emphasizes the need for place-based approaches to bring the community together to build on local strengths, empower people, and over time integrate the solutions. The Brotherhood of St. Lawrence, a community organisation that works to prevent and alleviate poverty across Australia, has been reorienting much of its work so that it gives more emphasis to the issue of the community and the place in which people live. Tony Nicholson, CEO of BSL, says, This arises out of a concern that all too often public policies designed to arrest poverty and exclusion are solely directed at individuals or households They tend to ignore the reality that we live in a place or community in which the underlying economic circumstances and the prevailing ethos create opportunities or throw up barriers to being able to set mainstream goals and pursue them. This understanding has led us to two conclusions. Firstly, we need to pay more attention to engaging with and fully understanding the communities in which we work. This involves ensuring local people are heard in deciding what type of services are needed and that local community networks are fostered and volunteer contributions are fostered. Secondly, we can only be successful if we work in close collaboration with those who share our objectives. This involves finding ways to work in a complementary fashion with colleague organisations rather than competing with them and in doing so driving efficiencies, eliminating duplication and providing an integrated service offer in communities. Sarah Davis from Philanthropy Australia says, Although place-based service design is not a new approach to social change, popularity has waxed and waned over the years. Fortunately, there is now enough momentum that it's unlikely to wane again. The challenge is linking it with evidence-based practice and getting the right mix of local ownership and relevance. Kerry Graham, Director of Collaboration for Impact, has worked closely with Bernie Works, a place-based initiative in northwest Tasmania, which uses a collective impact approach to address low school retention and high youth unemployment. A key learning from Bernie Works is that the approach requires getting comfortable with emergence, with developing strategy through learning. Rather than building a shared understanding of the challenge and creating a shared approach to achieving large-scale change, the initiative instead worked on building the community aspiration for change and the collaborative principles and capabilities. Instead of engaging stakeholders in detailed agenda setting, they convened them in small projects that sought to create immediate, measurable outcomes for children and young people through collaboration, writes Kerry Graham in the article A Collective Impact Learning Lab. They learn by facilitating small experiments, watching them closely for intended and unintended consequences, adjusting as they go and dialing up what works. This is a very different approach to the current way we conceive of place-based reform, which is usually about integrating services or introducing a set of interventions that worked elsewhere. 
It is also fundamentally different from the way strategy is traditionally delivered, where the intended impact is determined and interventions selected, which are then delivered consistently and unchangingly over time. Trend number eight, collaboration. An often used catch cry in the sector, collaboration is increasingly the response to other challenges, particularly resourcing constraints, but also to create the most appropriate and therefore effective service delivery. Any place-based service necessarily involves collaboration. Sarah Davis from Philanthropy Australia says, Collaboration is inextricably linked with place-based change, which can only be achieved through collaboration. Funders' appetite for collaboration has grown particularly in smaller projects, as collaboration makes them more effective and enjoyable and reduces the risk. Collaboration has also increased amongst service providers, although it's more patchy. Overall, we seem to talk about it more than we do it. Jack Heath, CEO of SANE, a national charity helping people affected by mental illness to lead a better life, concurs. If we in the mental health sector want to achieve better outcomes for the people we serve, we need to seriously lift our collaborative effort. This calls on us to rise above our individual and organisational egos to find better ways of working together. At SANE Australia, through our online forums, we partner with more than 40 mental health organisations. Together, we are opening up the huge but largely untapped community resource of peer support, something we could never do on our own. With the assistance of SVA, we are also working with other mental health organisations as we look to build sustainable collaborations that deliver practical results for our constituents and our organisations. June Oscar from Man in Wantakura Women's Resource Centre says, In terms of funding, we have sought to deepen our partnerships with philanthropic and corporate friends. We have looked at non-conventional funding forms, but still highly value our partnership with government at the state and federal level. We see all funders as partners and have moved into co-design relationships that explore resourcing our development approach in more ways than just financial. This includes a wonderful partnership with Good Start Early Learning that has worked with us to develop a secondment program for their staff based on providing cultural intelligence immersion for early childhood educators. Our relationship with SVA is extremely significant as it helps us understand the power of social enterprise for both financial empowerment for women and the possibility of an alternative model to finance operational aspects of our organisation. For Gigi Healing, Dallas Leon reports, we have found that the ability to collaborate is critical as we can't expect to do it all ourselves. We have been collaborating with communities to design our services, with partners to deliver the service and with SVA on monitoring and evaluating our services. Collaboration is particularly important because we want to make sure we're delivering what the community needs and because we're in a rural and remote setting which has significant challenges in terms of recruitment and retention. For example, we run a drug and alcohol facility in partnership with Salvation Army in operation for two years and have been working with Save the Children to deliver integrated services in the Lower Gulf. We plan to do more of this as we recognise that really strong partnerships can go a long way to address some of the specific challenges that are evident in rural, remote settings. For Luke Terry from Toowoomba Clubhouse, partnerships shape initiatives. He says, more than 50 partners, many from outside Toowoomba, were involved in the clubhouse's recent project, the Vanguard Laundry Services Social Enterprise. This could not have been achieved without collaboration. 
Our mantra through the project hasn't been how much will it cost, but which one of our partners could help us with this. Related podcasts and articles can be found on the SVA quarterly site, www.socialventures.com.au forward slash SVA hyphen quarterly forward slash.